Welcome to Talk Junkie. My name is Justin Perkins. <clears throat> um, want to do the announcement stuff and like the kind of the ad stuff up front. I'm very proud of my friend and her new store, her bookstore, the Red Spotted Newton Hazard, Kentucky. Uh, if you're looking for local books, or looking for books locally, and you live in this this area around Prairie County, Knott County, uh, go check her out. Um, it's the only place locally that you can get my books. Outside of that, you got to order them if you live away from here. You can find those on Amazon.com, blah, blah, blah. Uh, check out Retro Resale on Facebook. Um, you like old stuff, vintage stuff, retro stuff, 80s, 90s stuff, collectible stuff. Like that. even have some just more modern type clothes on there. have a lot of things. Just check it out. Um, and if you're looking for a podcast not quite as serious as this one and a whole heck of a lot more fun check out um raving television attic um it's on itunes youtube you can get it about anywhere um and like share and subscribe to this one uh speaking of uh, podcasts the way i come up with i guess like what i'm gonna do a podcast about can come from anywhere I get ideas from all over the place. A lot of times I'm just sitting and thinking. And sometimes you just have this perfect storm of things that hit. I listened to a podcast, I believe, you got to forgive me, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I believe it's WMMT does it, or somebody out of Letcher County does it, about people in the mountains and, and how they're viewed kind of outside the mountains. Then there was a post about coal mining and how the people of eastern Kentucky are viewed on social media that I've seen. And then Raven Television Addict mentioned a movie that come out um, back in the 90s, uh, a documentary called American Hollow. Or maybe they called it American Holler, I can't remember. We call it Holler. I don't know what they called it. I think they called it American Hollow because, you know, it's beneath them to down themselves to the point of calling it a holler. They still have to refer to it as a holler, even though everybody they're interviewing in the documentary doesn't one of my favorite podcasts I did was um, that I've done is one that I've done not too long back called the Great Migration about uh, mountain people leaving eastern Kentucky uh, I don't know what happened and that is not on iTunes you can still get it on the YouTube page uh, Jay Perkins uh, is the the YouTube page? Please check that out because that I think that's a really good story, and I'd, I'd like to get more comments and feedback on it. Because literally, I don't know if it was up on iTunes for a day, and I deleted it. I know I know what happened to an extent. I just don't know why it happened. It was in a queue that it shouldn't have been because it had already published, and when it wasn't removing itself from that queue, like an idiot, I went, "Oh well, I can delete it from that queue," and I did, and it's gone for good. But we live in a very unique part of the country. Not to say we're the only people viewed in the same... Uh, we're not the only people viewed the way we're viewed. But it, it is a small pocket of people. I believe some people from Tennessee may be viewed the way Eastern Kentucky people are. Some people... Uh, course we don't consider them as good as us but you know <laughs> no but seriously some, some people probably look at them in, in a similar vein 
West Virginia definitely gets it. Um, parts of Louisiana, around the bayou, definitely get it. There are these pockets of, of what they call backwards people and, and hillbillies. And how anybody outside of eastern Kentucky and West Virginia gets the hillbilly moniker, I'm not exactly sure. I understand the Appalachian Mountain Range going down into Georgia and places like that. But, uh, you know, I, I've heard them call Indiana people hillbillies, you know, a couple of them. And I, that one doesn't make sense to me. But every, everyone to some degree based on where they're from has a certain something associated with them you know whether it be the valley girls of california or the snotty hipsters of new york or whatever it may be um everyone kind of gets a label kind of gets stuck with something but it just seems that people in the mountains they get it a lot worse than everybody else and and I guess that that's a a matter of experience and opinion me growing up here maybe I I feel that it's more harsh than others feel it is others may feel like they get it more harshly than we do but uh, you know I, I just I can't I, I'm waiting for the evidence to prove that and and when I see it then I will concede that that eastern Kentucky people don't get it worse than anybody we are viewed as ignorant, unintelligent, backwards, racist, um, just as anything, ne any negative attribute you can think of pretty well gets assigned to us as long as it in, it's coupled with poverty and coal. Um, and, you know, to some degree, some of that's true. To some degree, all stereotypes are true. Otherwise, they would not exist. To some degree, the ignorant hillbilly has existed, does exist, or will exist in some way, shape, or form. Otherwise, it, it would not exist. It's just generally the stereotype is an exaggerated example of a true person, a real person. With mountain people or, or, or people of, of my area, you look at how they came to be here. And, and we've looked at this on other, other podcasts. And we've, I know I've referenced it, referenced it at least once. Getting here was not easy for settlers. Surviving here was not easy for settlers. People like to put the mileage thing in into account a lot of times. Well, it was a lot further journey from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast than it was from the East Coast to settle in Kentucky. Especially Eastern Kentucky. However, it was a hard journey. Um, there's different perils in each one. Native American conflict in, in one area and, and just these rugged mountains coming into Kentucky. So each had its own obstacles, but it was a rough journey here. 
and it took a special kind of person to make it here and to survive here and I truly believe that and those people were no less educated than anyone else the Midwest has an accent of its own um, you know all southern states have an accent their own Louisiana most definitely has a dialect of its own um, New York has phrases and, and wordings and expressions and and dialects things very much their own none of those things from any of those areas with the exception I would say of Louisiana because that Creole is is so unique and different and wonderful that it 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 most definitely stands out but with the exception of, of that I think when it comes to language mountain people stand out among other people even among some other southerners um, I think the issue falls in that being all negative I, I don't feel that it's all negative uh, I don't try to mask my my accent or or even say things completely differently than I would normally say them um, I'm not as uh, mountain maybe you'd say as some people but I think that's a, just a result a result of of influences I've had maybe or, or th I don't I don't know what causes that you know um, but I will say britches from time to time you know and ain't is a word to me I don't have an issue with saying you know there's examples of everyday usage you know um, some people over exaggerate it e even here in the mountains on, on purpose it's it's a desire to fit a mold but people just attempting to be themselves we very much are going to have things that other in 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 the way we speak that others don't have and again like I said that's common throughout the entirety of the United States it, it just it's sometimes maybe exaggerated by others on our part and it's also um, we are looked at differently mountain people are looked at differently um, we're, we're viewed through a, through a different lens you know we, we get visits you know, I guess notoriously the, the Kennedy visits to eastern Kentucky Kennedy's love eastern Kentucky as far as public exposure you know they didn't mind to come and view eastern Kentucky for presidential elections and things of that nature um, and you know in, re in more recent years I know uh, Clinton has, has made trips to to eastern Kentucky uh, President I I'm, I'm pretty sure he was president at the time President um, Kennedy did come um, and then his brother Robert I believe came um, well, President Trump has come you know and I'm sure there's there's been others and I don't know how close any of those got to actual Eastern Kentucky I never paid, other than the Kennedys I know the Kennedys made the trip actually to Eastern Kentucky and, and speaking about the documentary 
I believe, and this is without doing any research, and you don't have to research everything. I'm not making a factual claim. I'm saying I believe um, it was one of the Kennedy daughters or granddaughters of that nature. I don't think her last name, yeah, I think her last name was even Kennedy, that made American Hollow. That's how I remember it, and I'll double-check that afterwards. And if I was wrong, I was wrong, and you can double-check. It's okay to, to, to fact-check things. Um, and what kind of got me to go ahead and do this podcast, because I have a list of podcasts, and this this subject was on it, but again, I heard this on, on another podcast, uh, a gentleman named Brad and, and a, a gentleman named Mug. What they call him? What they call him the whole time I've known him? We're discussing that documentary, um, and the fact that they're not ashamed of the people in that in that documentary. I'm not ashamed of anything about me or where I'm from. I'm not ashamed of those people in that documentary, or what that documentary showed, but for a different reason, I believe, than these two gentlemen that were discussing it, and maybe for a different reason than other people. I'm very proud of where I'm from, and I I, I think that our uniqueness makes us special, and I wouldn't want to see that change. I think that uniqueness is what helped build the mountains, and, and it were the mountain people, but... Also, I understand that those people making that documentary came here looking to find what they considered the worst in us. Looking to show what they considered the most pathetic example of us. They wanted to show all the negatives. They wanted to show everything they could that would be intriguing to outside audiences, portray us as less than, and help fuel the narrative that the rest of the country has about us. And I feel that they did that for the rest of the country. The difference is mountain people didn't judge these people that they filmed. Mountain people I don't have a problem. But anybody watch that that wants to watch it and go, my God what kind of humans are they? They're mountain people. And not all of us are that way. And a lot of us are. And I, I, there's no shame in those people and who they are and what they did and, and how they acted. They, they, they were living life as it was dealt to them. Um, there were no good intentions in that documentary. There were no good intentions in any of those trips that any of those presidents or candidates or um, anyone else ever made here. There were no good intentions. There were the intent to go to people you are better than and express how you are better than them and to use pity or sympathy for them to bolster whatever it is you were going after, be it political party or just influence. So I, I hold no ill will. It is what it is. Such a small, trivial thing will not affect mountain people to that degree. Because mountain people have had to survive in a way and at a level that other people haven't had to survive. I think a lot of inner cities, especially throughout the history of mountains, could identify with how mountain people have had to live. 
I don't know if that's a uh, um, a comment that that could garner any backlash or not. It seems anymore you can't say anything. But I feel that that's I feel that impoverished uh, immigrant communities could understand mountain life and vice versa. I don't feel that a lot of other areas in the country, especially suburban areas, um, white collar areas, and area prosperous areas, can understand mountain people and mountain culture. From cooking, to clothing, to language, to enterprise, mountain culture is about having little and doing as much as you can with it. Cook what you have. Cook what feeds the most, what gives you the heartiest meal, the most energy, the most food in your stomach so that you can go on. And and do do so with what is readily available, affordable, and abundant. You know, that's that's the basis for cooking. Cornbread and soup beans is um not a fancy meal by any stretch of the imagination you know uh, fairly um, fairly inexpensive and abundant and available here and it would feed a large family and you know <laughs> mountain people grew up hard and and food was was very much part of that. My grandmother Minnie when I was little told me that when she was little her mothers and sisters would would cook and then the husband and brothers would eat because they had to do the hard manual labor outside. You know my grandmother didn't realize that the labor her and her mother were doing were just as hard and just as manual but you know her thing was they ate first, and then what was left over, the sisters ate, and then what was left over from that, if anything, the mother ate. And that may have come from a sexist, ignorant place. Um, it definitely did come from a very ignorant place, but it made very hard women. And you can make as many hard men as you want, and I'll tell you right now, hard men will not always make a strong, hard society if left just to hard men. But hard women will raise hard men and create a hard, strong society. So you can call women of Eastern Kentucky as ignorant and uneducated and whatever you want to call them, but I will put up my mother's work ethic and the life that my grandmother and and others' mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers and great-great-grandmothers led against anyone's. And when it comes to human survival and when it comes to value of life and and the value that they got out of their work and their family against anyone's. See, I'm not ashamed that I came from that island in reverse I'm very proud of that and it, that comes down to you know minimalism is mountainism for the majority of mountain history it was farm and and 
people, if, if anyone from the Midwest is listening to this, look up early Appalachian farming. It's not flat ground farming. It's not wide open fields. It's, you know, my wife's grandfather told me that I was clearing out a place for a house seat and there's all these rocks around these trees and I'm talking to my wife's grandfather and he moved those rocks, you know, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, so that they could farm those hillsides. This farming is happening in every flat spot they have, yeah, but it's also happening on the hillsides and the mountainsides and, you know, it, it's not your average, average farming and so it started from that farming and 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 then came mining and it it wasn't eastern kentucky that needed coal because the coal camps were barely barely uh equipped with electric let alone most of the other homes when when coal mining first came in um a lot of people burnt coal for for fires but but as far as electricity and things of that nature and and large scale uh which its main purpose back in that time was manufacturing and and the industrial revolution did not happen in the mountains at the same time it happened everywhere else so these large-scale operations that needed this coal were not in eastern kentucky so coal mining was not a product of need out of eastern Kentucky and not a product of greed out of eastern Kentucky. It was companies from outside of eastern Kentucky, interest from outside of eastern Kentucky, coming in to mine a product to send outside of eastern Kentucky. And on average, on percentage of use, remain that for the entirety of mining all the way up until today. We don't use a fraction of what we mine. And if the solution is to shut down all the coal plants and to stop using coal completely and to go without or have significantly less electric, let me assure you, eastern Kentucky, first and foremost, can survive that way. West Virginia can survive that way. These places that outside companies have gutted in the name of progress, these men whose only option to feed their family gave them black lung, these families and these regions can do without the coal you needed. So this hatred for the mountains based on coal, uh, we want our mountains. We want our streams. We want all those things, and we would love to have them back. But they were getting raped and taken either way, with or without our help. I never worked in the mines. My grandfather on my mother's side never worked in the mines. My father never worked in the mines. You know, my stepfather did work in the mines. My uncle did work in the mines. My wife's father drove a coal truck. It affects everyone in some way or another. But it's not what we wanted. You think them men wanted to lay in 30 inches of coal and that be their life? No. Not to die on a porch coughing up a lung. That's not what they were looking for. Not, not for a second. But it was what was available to them to feed their families. Now, you know, it's obvious. Why don't you leave? 
and that did happen, you know, uh, in, in the Great Migration, I spoke about my grandfather's time, how most of the men his age left, went north, went to Ohio, went to Indiana, went to Detroit, went to Michigan, you know, went to these areas to, to work factory jobs, and, and how, um, in my grandfather's eyes, they were a lot like migrant Mexican workers. They worked cheaper, they worked harder, and the companies loved them. Everybody wanted hillbilly workers. They worked harder. They worked for less. They worked more hours. They done what you said, and they they were they were so used to hard work. This factory work was easy to them. But the locals hated them because they took jobs, and they were mountain people. They were less than a lot like how people look at migrant workers now. My grandfather opened my eyes up to that in the nineties, because in the nineties. Even then, there was talk politically, uh, especially by President Clinton. It was one of the platforms on which he got reelected about border walls and border security and not allowing in migrant workers and stuff. Uh, Bill Clinton was very big on that. Um, and, and my grandfather said, you know, if they could have built a wall around eastern Kentucky, they would have to keep us out of the factories in the north. And he said, if, if people were willing to work, migrant work wouldn't be an issue. And that's true. That's very that's very true to, to some degree. I mean, there's 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 parts of that that are debatable. So work, like food, was a necessity thing. Now our dialect and how we talk and things we say, words we use, phrases, cadence, those types of things are a result of separation. Are a result of being isolated. When people came here pretty well everybody forgot about us for a long time uh, including the government you know when you were needed you know north and south remembered you during the civil war because they both needed you you know because it was just about bodies and you know if the governor needed votes I don't know what kind of weight back in the day mountain votes carried, but, you know, we don't even get... The, the governors in my lifetime uh, very, very seldomly express any interest in... We are the, uh, the butthole of the state to them, so they don't, they don't care. But that isolation led to... A development of a lot of things. I, I mean, obviously, culture and ritual is derived from the people around you, and that ours was derived in isolation. Mountain people here amongst family, friends, and neighbors, but very little outside interaction. Newspaper and radio, you know, TV coming later. You know, with the birth of TV we had somewhat of a glimpse into the outside but the outside had very little glimpse and you know not really that much more inf- influence onto us and so you know coming up even into the 90s when they would make things like the documentary American Hollow and things of that nature it it's it's a result of it's a result of Finding this place that's still in isolation, that's still different enough 
from the rest of the world and in all ways you know we were behind a little bit on everything because information not even information influence hit us at a slower pace and again that's true for many parts of the country it's it's not something that's just relegated to us but it's something that seems like oftentimes other places don't have it pointed out as much as that, that they're behind on this or they're behind on that. So, to me, the big change in in society came with two things in eastern Kentucky. Um, the internet gave us outside interaction coming in. You understand? We, we had the ability to reach out and have people reach out to us. And to me, that was uh, was a fairly significant difference. You know, it, it was something that allowed for um, growth and negative reinforcement <laughs> in some cases. But it it definitely changed us and our culture to some degree. Uh, on very small levels because mountain culture is very strong and even to this day still holds on um, in a way that other other areas struggle to and you know I forget what we were even discussing but I was talking to somebody from Lexington um, and and we were talking about yeah this has been almost 20 years ago and they said well you all still don't do whatever it is and whatever that was, you know, I said basically to the effect that, well, it's because we still know it's not right. And, and and I don't remember the exact conversation we were having. Why it sticks out to me is because they had accepted something that I felt was wrong, something that after a little bit of conversation, he and I both agreed were wrong, but they had accepted it based on the fact that it had become culturally relevant. Uh, I guess it had become culturally acceptable to to a certain segment of Kentucky people, whatever it was, and I said, well, it's because we still know it's wrong, despite the fact that we have access to it. Um, and, and, and I think mountain people are like that. They have a strong, a strong um, integrity when it, when it comes to certain beliefs. But the other thing in, in the 2000s that came that kind of changed mountain people, uh, it is the opioid epidemic. It, it had the strongest and most long-lasting effects on mountain people. And and the most negative. We went from a hard-working family-based forgotten people living impoverished to a hard-working family-based impoverished people addicted and exploited for those addictions. We become important to Purdue Medical and, and Big Pharmaceutical because we had a large client base for their synthetic heroin. And 
they exploited that customer base. The rest of the country had issues too, but generally in areas like ours, um, impoverished and, and lower income areas. But it, it filtered, it filtered into the suburbs, it filtered in everywhere. Everyone ended up experiencing and having the same issues that we had. Uh, they just meant more when they were outside the mountains. Now that that's gone, and, and it is to a large to a large degree, there's there's other issues, uh, drug wise, facing mountain people now and, and facing other people. But we look back on that, and and even though it became something that had a nationwide impact, it's looked at as a very mountain issue a lot of times to a lot of people outside the mountains. Especially if somebody knew someone from the mountains or, or one of the new stories from the mountains regarding oxies or something of that nature and they didn't have something personally impacting them in their area, then that to them, a lot of people like that, it's a purely mountain issue. Um, but families rose up in that mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles especially grandparents grandmothers and grandfathers rose up and raised kids and raised great grandkids and raised grandchildren and and helped addicted people the opioid crisis shows you a lot about a lot of people in a lot of parts of the United States of America but the one thing the opioid crisis shows you is that Kentucky families are strong eastern Kentucky families are some of the strongest there are and their willingness to fight and and do for their kids and and to try to help others regardless of relation uh is is amazing and we can sit and cherry pick all the good and all the bad we want but if it's gone to your head, way out the good, way out the bad, I'll take people from Eastern Kentucky any day of the week. Any day of the week. It's good people. And we're represented a lot of ways. One segment of the country believes we're the Beverly Hillbillies. You know, before they found me on. Another segment believes we're all running down here with bow and arrows raping each other like deliverance and then there's a segment that believes we're all interbred and um, barefoot and wearing overalls which there's absolutely nothing wrong with being barefoot or wearing overalls I don't want overalls but I love to go barefoot but then there's a segment of the population that believe we're in constant struggle and need of help and while there are Beverly Hillbilly types and there are inbred types and there are barefoot and um, types and, and there are types in need of help. Those are just small portions of our demographics, of, of our people, just like it is anywhere else. We just talk different. It's amazing that in a country like the United States of America, who we are and what we are, and I feel that we're mostly good as a people. That some people still look at something like geographic location and accent and put a judgment on people that they are less than because of where they live and how they sound. 
sounds too stupid to even say but that's what it is but I'm I'm proud to be from the mountains and would I like to be out of the mountains yes I say that a lot and I think people give me grief grief over that because they think it's a slight at the mountains it's not I can't imagine living any one place in my entire life so no I don't want to die here or maybe I die here but just not live all the time in between here I want to be everywhere, at least once, maybe twice. So that's not a slide on the mountains. Are there things that frustrate me? Yes. There's currently in certain areas and certain counties, there's a larger population of people who want us to stay exactly where we are and not grow and not have anything new and not expand. That population of people are higher than the population of people who want new things, who want to grow, who want to better ourselves. And in some areas, it seems like that's the case, but it's really just a case of the ones that say they want growth, don't want to do any work. It, it, it varies. It really does. But then there's areas where growth is abundant uh, despite any protest. Um, like I said, my friend has a very wonderful bookstore. Uh, who They just had a wonderful reading by some, some big authors and it, it's a beautiful thing to see in Hazard, Kentucky, you know. And there's there's people who own buildings in Hazard, Kentucky, who are keeping rent massive so that they'll stay empty so that for tax purposes they've got a write-off. And those people don't want to see growth. There's people like my friend who's working to ensure growth. And then one thing that I always point out to people is Whitesburg, Kentucky. The local business and the local growth in Whitesburg, there's a, a music store there called Roundabout Music albums, tapes, um, CDs, stereo equipment, wonderful little locally owned, quaint little corner store that I love. And I couldn't recommend it enough. There's tattoo shop, there's local restaurants, there's a small local music venue, uh, there's WMMT radio station uh, with the Apple shop and stuff there. It's there's a uh, moonshine distillery, I believe it is. Is what that is? Like a, yeah. There, I mean, it's it's a beautiful little picture of growth, and that's happening here and happening in the mountains. So, people outside of here see us a lot of different ways, but that's the good thing about being from the mountains. We don't really give a crap how they see us. We like us, and we just got to work on keeping us. Um, together and as one but um, thanks for listening Podcast. I know these haven't been coming as frequently but there's been a lot going on for me right now and I can't do them as frequently as I have been so again if you miss the Great Migration look it up on YouTube it's there like share do whatever you want with these uh, enough people's listening at this point that I'm going to keep doing it if new people come awesome if they don't that's awful I wish I could get more but it is what it is. Y'all have a great day.